The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you don't quite know your purpose, or maybe you know it, but you just can't find the path toward it. If you're uncomfortable in your own skin and want to finally master self-love, then we need to talk. I'm Colleen Greco, and I'm your joyologist. I help women just like you to reclaim the joy they feel is missing in their life through mindset coaching and nutrition coaching. Whether you have weight to lose or simply need to get your gut in check, I've got you. We'll work together to retire limiting beliefs. Those are the stories that are keeping you from your purpose. I need you to hear me. Those are the stories that we need to get rid of in order to get you on your path to your purpose. We will work together to get you that life you've always dreamed of. It would be my honor to connect with you. Reach out to me via Instagram at the Colleen Greco or email Colleen at ColleenGreco.com. Let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the Joy Unleashed show. I'm your humble host and resident joyologist, Colleen Greco. And today I'm thrilled to welcome Lynn Howard to the show. Lynn is an author of two amazing books, The Pursuit of Badassery and The Pursuit of Badassery Sales Edition. Not to mention, she has another one on the way and several more on the shelf. Um, the one on the way is really focused on her personal story called And So She Did, and it's due out really soon. Lynn is an entrepreneurial development strategist and has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs, leaders in C-suites to help them get out of their way and create the business and lives that they crave. Who doesn't love that? Um, she's highly intuitive and believes in people, possibilities, and their unlimited potential. Her transparency and make things happen, although she doesn't really call it things, but I think we have to use that word for the FCC rules, um, approach and empowers her clients to to deliver on their desired objectives, both personally and professionally. Sometimes this means challenging what they really want. And I love this next part. She is the proofreader and activator of opportunities. That's so powerful. Finding the potential for clients to make their money moves. So without further ado, let's welcome Lynn to the stage. Hey, Lynn, thank you so much for, for coming today. And I'm so excited for our conversation. Me too. I'm really stoked about this. Awesome. Well, I'll start you off with a little softball because it is uh, the middle of the night for you. Um, how would you say that you define joy? Oh, there's so many different softball. <laughs> That's kind of like the last question I asked at my conference today. This one should be easy. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, but with joy, I believe it is it's choice. Uh, joy is something that... Um, Joy is something that is internal, that we, uh, it's not necessarily dependent upon uh, a, like a reaction or cause and effect. It really is a choice within. Um, and, it, and to me, it's different than happiness, right? It's where happiness can be just triggered and it's almost dependent on something uh, where joy is just an internal 
kind of bubbly thing. <laughs> Something I, like that. But it is a choice, in, in my opinion. And, it's, I, and I also I believe it's, it's a way of life. It's like a perspective, even. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I tell people it isn't the result of, you know, getting good or sometimes not so great news, right? It is just a, a choice to see the good in, you know, in an, in your current situation. Um, so I love that. Thank you for sharing. I'm sure that you hear this a lot, that the pursuit of badassery is just badass. And um, I just love the essence of what you're about and wish I had come up with that myself. Um, our audience here is about 65% women. And I know they're probably all wondering the same thing. Where did this defining phrase come from? And maybe you could share with us a nugget of what the pursuit is all about. Absolutely. Uh, so I have a business partner who I've worked with for years prior to us actually teaming up and becoming business partners and co-authoring the two books underneath the same brand. But um, And we have a whole empire that's being released underneath the Pursuit of Bastard, including we have a podcast that's a year and a half old and et cetera. Um, but essentially, when we were deciding to really what we were going to name that first book, we were looking at it through a few different lenses. One, we wanted something that really represented the both of us. And we are like, get stuff done since can't see the other one get stuff <laughs> done and like we're very uh, what and we say this in a in a not in a condescending or throwing shade way but we definitely are and and not but we are people who get more done typically in a day that than people do in a week or even a month because we're just like get getting it done and that's part behavioral style that's part just determination and and a fire in our bellies um and so we really knew that it needed to be very powerful um and also then uh and something that will really represent the both of both of us also the ideology or the calling of really what people almost come to us or look to us as, and we've been pillars in our community um, globally even, and because I, I obviously I, I live in Bangkok, I, I don't live in the US anymore and have worked all over the world, but we realize like our, the way people view us, we are kind of that lone wolf type of black sheep-ish type of individual um, where we've kind of paved our own path, which lots of, lots of entrepreneurs do, and so, yeah, so we were just like throwing things out, throwing things out. And it was just like a combination of one. As soon as we got on this one, we're like, that's it. And we're in the process, and it should be any day now, of trademarking it. So because we just knew as soon as we had it, it was powerful. So all of our books are actually The Pursuit of Badassery. It's just different editions in, in that particular context. Obviously, my personal book is different, but... Um, but yeah, the first one is The Pursuit of Badassery, How to Create Badass Business Abundance. And the second one is the sales edition. And we have many others that are waiting to be released, but we release those uh, within nine months of each other and release a podcast as well as a bunch of other things as well, just in that that nine months. So, so add overachiever to your list of, <laughs> and yeah. I love it because I'm the exact same way. So as you're talking, I mean, I... I, I am never more productive than when I have way too much on my plate and a lot of big ideas. I can, I can seem to 
you know, either connect them or just get them done in a really efficient manner. So I completely relate. I love that. I love it too. The one other thing too that I'd like to add is, and this is something I would say it's, it is Amanda's belief, but it's also mine in a different way is that we know it's not an end destination. Like it, it's a journey and the pursuit of badassery to us really represents that it's, it's a constant journey. And unless you choose for it not to be, there can be an end destination. So it's really self-defined. Um, but because of the type of people that Amanda and I are, and this can go across business, personal healing, um, you know, all aspects of it is um, it's a journey. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, your story, and I've done a lot of research before uh, talking to you today is both incredible, but it's also really inspiring. And I'll just, um, if you feel like you'd like to go into detail, please feel free. But I describe, you know, book. your, sorry. I said, I'm an open book. Ask me whatever you want to. <laughs> well, you grew up in what I'd call challenging and in a lot of cases, some undesirable moments, right? And, and some circumstances, and you had to learn how to be a survivor from an early age. And, and then as if that wasn't enough, you fought and you beat cancer. You were a single mother, you've experienced divorce. And from my research, it appears not only did you beat these life circumstances, but you dominated them. And so through each challenge, I'm sitting here saying you come out stronger and more determined. So A, if I had an applause button, it would be on fire right now because I think you deserve that. But I think people would be really curious to understand what allowed you to, you know, have that grit. Where where did you have to go to, you know, discover your tenacity, the skills, the grit, the resilience to be able to carve out this beautiful life of abundance now for yourself, despite your circumstances? Yeah. Um, so how much time do we have? It's a heavy question, but I was like, I can't pick that apart. It's a big it is. And it's hard. It's interesting because a lot of times, and this kind of goes with the pursuit of badassery, but I had one lady here recently, she became a client. She's like, you're an enigma. And I was like, Ooh, that's actually a great term. I've never been called that. Thank you. And I had to unpack that a little bit. And, um, so I'm going to answer one part and then I'll kind of give a little bit of history because it does add to like really where this came from. You, at, you, you made the comment of, uh, allowed you, I can't remember exactly how you phrase it, but how, who allowed or what allowed you to be And I'll, I will always say we have the choice. We have it within us. It's if we choose to actually pull that out. We are all dealt with our own hand of cards, deck of cards. What we do with that deck of cards is always our choice. Now, I'm saying this with a grain of salt. I'm an international person. I live out of country. I'm very involved internationally. I'm on NGO boards. I run international conferences. Um, we just literally got done with Peace and Conflict Resolution Conference, and this was a very difficult one in the light of everything that's going on. Um, and there's obviously prioritization when you're in conflict ridden and if, when you're in true survival mode um, and don't know what's happening next. So there, there's slightly different kind of mechanisms and really just like survival mechanisms that you have to go through. With that being said, absolutely. I was, um, depending if you want to go 
more on the spiritual side or, or not. I, I believe I was born into this life and I've been told this by many um, spiritual gurus that I, essentially I, I came back into this life to get the crap beat out of me and um, figuratively and literally and essentially to just really um, go through it for purpose. There was a purpose, but I really overcame it all. And this is childhood abuse, um, then put into a group home, domestic abuse. Uh, my, not my ex-husband, but my kids' father almost killed me several times, um, surviving cancer and a lot in between, which, and so she did is all about this. So I'm definitely talking a lot about it, but, um, you asked about like developing that grit. There's several things. First of all, I always knew I always knew, even though I didn't have an example, and I think this is more my spiritual side, um, is that there was something different, that I had a bigger purpose than what was around me, that I believed that I was put here to do different things, and that I just understood, even though I didn't have context of what I understood, even though I didn't quite, I couldn't make out what I understood, even at, at a certain age, but I knew that there was more and I allowed that to push me forward. Um, I also had different pillars of light on my path that showed me that, or, or I should say that saw me and heard me in ways I was not getting in my home because we grew up in a very poor family and, um, very uh, working class white America in the Midwest at blue collar foundry worker, my, all the women in my family were um, waitresses. And, you know, we did have examples of worse out there because my cousins, we had cousins all of our same age and, and um, they had it a lot worse sometimes than what we did. And we had it pretty bad. And um, yeah, so I think that it was um, definitely not, I think I know that it was birthed out of really just one, knowing I had a bigger purpose. Two, I also had two small siblings that were half siblings because I, I was adopted, but I grew up with my biological mama, mom in and out of my life. Like she married my dad who adopted me. And um, that's a whole story in itself, but uh, they had two kids and I almost was like the protector. I raised them. Um, yeah, I was doing everything except for working and trying to protect them. And so I think knowing that they didn't have like, they didn't have a choice. And, and I really took this on when I had kids at a young age as well, who are now in their mid twenties, um, that they didn't ask to be brought into this world. It was just this overwhelming sense of responsibility. And I know the oldest child typically has that. However, mine was a little bit, I don't know, deeper. And, and I feel like I leaned into that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, the grit comes a lot from the survival of what I went through. However, what I will say, it is also the grounding and the, 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 the knowing I want to make a change and the healing aspect of it too, because I, I look at, um, and actually we kind of had this conversation in the peace and conflict resolution is that even though when I was in the thick of it, um, I still maintained even though I didn't understand it as a child, but I understand it looking back that I still maintain this inner sense of knowing this of myself, even though I didn't understand it. I had this like inner grounding and inner purpose, even when I didn't, I couldn't quite articulate it. 
fast forward, especially going through cancer, like even though I'd, I'd always thought differently and I'd always try to process things and not hold on to stuff because it didn't, like it was just extra baggage. Like it didn't serve me. And, and this is, again, I didn't have examples of this. I had no knowing of this. My family was not the woo-woo type. I mean, we had witches in our family, but that's a whole other story, but that, that was generations prior. Um, but I just like, I, I, I really knew all of this. And then when I had cancer, uh, when I was in my uh, mid twenties, when I found out I had melanoma and I had all these choices, I was married at the time and in my now ex-husband, who's my best friend, but um, we kind of unpacked this together. He was actually, he had taken a job out of country in Saudi Arabia when I found out. But during this time, I really dug in and healed and let go and forgave. And that whole saying of like those that are waiting around for forgiveness um, or a sorry um, are wasting their time. Like, I also understand like the, the karmic agreements of like, you know, I can't control how you feel. I can't control what you do. I can't, I only can control myself. And so holding on to this anger or this hurt or this frustration, lacking, taking the responsibility for my part in it. And this might sting some people on this call. Like I even had to take the responsibility of the abusive relationship that I was in with my, my ex, who is the kid's father, not my ex-husband, but their father. Um, because I did play a role. I'm not saying that I caused the abuse. However, what I am saying is I had to take responsibility for my actions in that and digging into that helped build even more grit, helped build more resilience because I was able to say, okay, what's my responsibility in this? What's my purpose? Where's my inner grounding? And how am I going to take that and move forward? How am I going to like not play victim or pity and like make stuff happen, which is essentially what I do um, as a profession as well. But it, it it's kind of multi-dimensional, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea of like, but I feel like I can talk about this for hours, but that gives I you a little too. bit I'm of like idea. bouncing out of my seat. I'm yeah. this, this is amazing. Keep going. Yeah. So I, I mean, so after I would say with the cancer, then I had to like really learn after the fact of like how to use that grit because we can tend to be bitter about things, right? Even when we go through stuff, we can, um, no matter how healed we are, evolved we are, or how, you know, spiritual we are, there's still these little nuances. And so it's a conscious effort moving forward. It's a drive that, um, that you practice, you have to put it into practice. It is a, also a, a a constant checking of yourself, like really checking. In, I just had this conversation the other day, check, checking my own prejudices about the ideology of things around me, um, making sure I'm knocking myself off my pedestal. Because when you have this grit or when you have this um, kind of survival mechanism, like you can get into a certain mindset. So I'm constantly challenging my belief patterns and my ways and different things like that to make sure that I am seen as forward as possible, honoring still what I go through. And that that was some things that I, because I am such a tough love person that has a lot to do with the abuse growing up and, and a lot of other things. And that's definitely stuff I've unpacked. But um, at the end of the day, like really trying to move forward is uh, 
holistically, but also as much in my purpose and belief as possible while still challenging those because I don't want to stay stagnant. I know I'm here for a bigger purpose. I I understand that. And it's just really, it's really interesting. And I'll, I'll kind of give you a story, one story about like where I really had to um, unpack some stuff is as a cancer survivor, I was definitely one who kind of like shied away. My, my ex and I went through the process and then I moved to Saudi and I had this big like chunk out of my arm. And, and we, I talked to my husband. I was like, Oh, I don't, you know, I'm so embarrassed. Like I have this big chunk out of my arm. He's like, just tell him that a shark bit you, you know, we would joke around it. Anyway, fast forward, I finally like got comfortable telling people like that's what it is and and really leaning into having the conversations as uncomfortable as it was for me. It was more uncomfortable for other people. And fast forward years later, I'm in Hawaii. People know that I'm a cancer survivor and there's the Relay for Life. And we had a lot, of, which is a, a cancer survivor um, a fundraiser. And I'd avoided it for years, even though a lot of my inner circle participated, we were very community service oriented, but I always had a, a reason not to do it. And I, I realized like I was still holding on to some aspects of like either the embarrassment or, or survivor's guilt really was a lot of what I had to unpack. And just to like really understand that. So I put myself there and I remember being interviewed and having a conversation actually my one of my best girlfriends had just lost her mom. Um, my mother-in-law at the time um, was losing her life to cancer. And I had a best friend from Saudi who was also um, going through it. And it really helped reignite that grit, but in a different way and help me heal from and understand why I had resistance. So you know, I think it's life, if you allow it, if you put yourself in that position, it allows you to kind of like unpack and reconnect, unpack and reconnect. And you continue to like move through that, that process. So I know that's a lot of information, but that's like, I would give you that. That's like the gist of like my grit and my resilience and how I continue to like push through that. Well, it was a massive question. So it deserved a, <laughs> it deserved a massive answer, um, but Thank I you. thought it was amazing. And I find I think you know that I'm a mindset coach and nutrition coach. And one of the things I find is that people hit this crossroads and they, a lot of them turn left, like to kind of make a U-turn and go back the other way and avoid. And you didn't, you know, no. you, you ran straight into, you know, the eye of the hurricane and dealt with it. And I think that is so amazing and really deserves applause because, you know, one of the other things you talk about, I was watching an interview over the weekend. Um, I think it was with C-Rock was um, about your limiting beliefs and how there are some limiting beliefs. And I, and I deal with this all the time. So I completely understand this, but I'm, I just thought this would be great to share with the viewers. Um, you talk about how there are things that you thought that you let go that the more you uplevel yourself, they tend to resurface. And that in my belief and in my work is due to the fact that it is a deeply rooted issue that has many layers. So you, you remove the layer, maybe didn't review, you know, remove the whole issue. So can you spend a couple of minutes talking about that and how maybe you approached it with a little bit more 
grace, love, and kindness versus self-deprecation, like, oh, I'm an idiot. And I, you know, I thought I dealt with this and, you know, why is this coming back up? You know, maybe you can give us an idea of um, kind of how you move through it. Yeah. Um, so I will say my personal go-to isn't the second, to the second part of your question. My personal go-to is not that. That's, to me, that's somebody who can sit more in a victim mentality or in a, in a pity mentality. Mm -hmm. And if those listening, like that is like, I run from that side. Like I don't <laughs> allow myself now that doesn't mean that you can't work yourself out of that. So I definitely want to state that, but I, I agree with you. Um, healing is not an end destination and it's not linear. And there are many factor situations and um, people who can throw us back into that um, that hurt, that belief, that 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 hang up, that thing in your way, um, whatever it is. And if you look at it from a science standpoint, you know, neuroscience tells you like you you essentially, if you look at it as like a a pathway, like if you have carpeting in your house, don't forget my grandmother, she was a hoarder and she like, she had this path, like everything was so full, but she had this path to her, to her bed, to her uh, dresser, to her closet. And then when we moved everything, you could still see that path. That path was not going to go away. I think even after we removed the carpeting, it did not go away. Um, but with that being said, like, it's always going to be there. You're just developing new pathways. And so, with that being said, um, I also believe like when you up level yourself, like though it's it's not that you're starting from ground level, you're starting from the ground level of that level, but mm -hmm. everything prior counts towards something. It's kind of like when you fall back, right? You're not falling all the way down unless you let yourself. You're not falling all the way down to the beginning. You're just falling back, falling backwards, and then you pick yourself back up. So, like that you you can look at it through a new lens you get to see it through a more evolved more matured lens and so you might be able to heal on a different level or a different aspect or a different layer you know it's interesting when i sat down to write this book and it's you know all these life lessons and personal stories and stuff and i remember before i left because i i leave I mean, I stayed in Thailand, but I leave Bangkok to, to write. I did for my first two books and I, this book was no different. And I was having dinner with a, a good friend and he asked me, he's like, you know, is, what is this book about? Like, is it, is it for, excuse me, for, is it more for you to heal more? Cause he knows so much about my journey. And he's like, or is it for others? And I said, you know, it's a bit of both. And I said, I know that I'm going to have to unpack things that maybe I haven't looked at for a while. And yeah, I have all these new tools and I've definitely done so much healing. And it's, again, I do it on a, on a daily basis, consciously and subconsciously. However, like I get to see it through a different angle and I get to do even deeper healing. And, and in my belief also, like I do a lot of karmic work as well. And I know this is more the spiritual kind of woo-woo side, but definitely I'm like putting in the works that way. My, generations after me have more of a chance to and a platform on a karmic level to be able to um to be able to like take it to the next step and also just my personal agreements in life etc in in the spiritual world and in the human world um to make sure that i'm doing that so 
So yes, I absolutely agree with you. Like I feel like in the new level, we get to look at it again and sometimes it comes up or, and I, I'll give you a great example um, because things can actually trigger you to put you back into that state, right? And COVID was a great example that a lot of people that did a lot of healing, a lot of letting go, a lot of evolving went right back into because they were in survival mode. And so their core essence was essentially like just the reactive mode because they didn't, uh, they, they didn't have the capacity at that point because they didn't understand maybe necessarily what was happening internally to be able to like really get past that. So they had to like unpack some stuff to get back up to that, that level or that layer that they had to do. And I'm sure you do a lot of work around this, you know, Um, because when we're, when, when something triggers us, especially when we don't have foundations and structures in place to be able to kind of support us when we fall, um, then it's really easy to fall back further into something that we're more familiar with and more cocooned into. And those aren't always the best habits or mindset um, if we haven't done the work. So bravo. I, I always tell people, I love it when triggers come because they keep me humble. Yes. They're not always fun. Let's just like be honest, right? They can be deeply painful. I do believe last week I went through an exorcism. Okay. It was like a like my whole body felt like it was being ripped apart, but it keeps you humble. And it reminds you you're human and you're never going to be done. I never mm-hmm. want to stop evolving. The day that I stop evolving is the day I die. And that's the way that I want it. So. I have a question around the, um, like it's, it's around the way that you continually reinvent yourself. So you have started many businesses and sold them. And so I'm curious about that cycle, right? So you start a business, it takes off, it gets to a point when you can sell it, you sell it, and then you start over and starting over and starting a business from scratch can be pretty painful. So I'm wondering for the viewers, and we have about 7,000, um, what like, what type of shifts do you have to make emotionally so that you can tolerate those early days that can be riddled with, you know, frustration? How do you keep, you know, it centered in joy and in prosperity and possibility and not you know, the, the negative thoughts that come along with it, like, oh, this isn't working right. Or it's very quiet and people aren't responding to, um, you know, my touch points or what have you. Yeah. Um, okay. A few things, first of all, agility and resilience are a muscle and it's a muscle that can be formed, uh, but it has to be flexed and used and built in order for it to work for you. So, um, that's, a quick answer for that particular aspect. And that will really help you actually maneuver through things. Um, Another thing is, is to have grace and compassion for yourself because hello, you're starting a new business. There's going to be things just don't sit in the crap, see it, feel it, move it or move yourself out of it. Right. If you can't move it, move yourself like, and understand. Um, But I, I, I really, and I really think too, uh, and this is more of a bastardized almost term in some aspects, but I I do believe that there is 
um, such truth to it is really finding your, your purpose, your why and why you're doing this, even if it is to get your money, your, your family out of a certain, um, debt or whatever that is, when you can find the fire and attach yourself to that fire and, and make it cohesive in a branding sense, if I'm looking at it from more of a technical standpoint of view, it really does help you move forward. Now, I'm not saying all my businesses were that way. I owned a security company. I understand why I owned a security company and started it from scratch and sold it. But um, being able to find that connection to it, especially on an emotional level, helps you weather the storm. Um, I would also say like finding your people and every time you upgrade, guess what people, like how many of you have the same group of people that you network, that you eat with, that you have conversations around, like you got to change your environment. And sometimes that means loving people from afar. Um, and so there are lots of people in my world that aren't necessarily in my close circle. And when I first bought a franchise. I was living in Hawaii and it was a coaching consulting training franchise. And I'd be doing all these trainings, but I also was a single mom of three teenage kids. Um, uh, even before my divorce, my, my then husband was in Afghanistan. So technically I was a single mom because I was raising them of three teenage kids that are less than two years apart, by the way, um, all in high school. I was running multiple businesses, um, security company. I, although I had employees kind of overseeing it. I had the the franchise where I was training, coaching, consulting. I was also area director for BNI, overseeing a thousand entrepreneurs across multiple islands and very involved in the community plus other things, right? I did have a life. Um, but I remember telling these individuals, it's like, I have a pecking order. And I didn't mean this disrespectfully, but I was very clear about it. Like if you were my family first. I had to always put them first. But if you're my kids, you come first. But then it's like my clients, then it was my area directors or my directors for BNI. And like, I knew when I was spread thin, who I was going to spend time with. Time is precious. We do not, we cannot make more time. And so understanding that really helps us move forward and be able to like, to, to, to utilize the resources, including time in the best manner to be able to produce that and, and then analyzing. So all that being said, it's always really important to say, okay, have a touch point and say what's working. What's not, is it, do we need to dump it or do we need to adjust it? And having the right community around you will help with that. But more importantly, you have to initiate that as well. And so I know that's a bunch of different touch points, but to me, like that's kind of the the basis of where I would say start and just be brave and start, like make that leap. And you as an entrepreneur, you know this, but it's that leap. And I will tell you, the 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 fear, the angst doesn't ever go away, but it does change. The more you leap, the you know, the, the better you get at it, I, I guess. But um, yeah, it's just like being brave and knowing that you got this and just mindset. And you know, this is a mindset coach, like mindset will get you really far if you're, if you're using the right mindset. And you talk about fear. So I always say fear is a misunderstood emotion you know, of course, there's the I'm going to be attacked by a coyote. We were talking about this earlier before we started recording. That's real fear. That's like primal fear. But the fear of taking that jump or making that phone call or making that decision 
oftentimes I feel like that's actually excitement. That's your body's way of saying, yes, this is a hell yes. Let's run towards that, you know, scenario. So being really in tune with your body and those signals, I think can take a lot of the, the stress and the worry and the, the uncertainty away from you. So love everything you said there. Absolutely. One of my, um, my, she's a really good girlfriend, but she was, she is an acupuncturist. She was my acupuncturist and she would always tell me, I don't know, it was 15 years ago. Maybe she's like anxiety and excitement are the same feeling in our body. It's our mind that decides what it is. And I think that that's really important to understand. And sometimes I'm a big self reflector and self talker sometimes more than others, but asking myself like, okay, is this, is this fear uh, or anxiety or is this excitement? And if it's anxiety, what is going on? This is my, my sign to say, okay, I need to deal with something. I need to take more time for myself or whatever. And just like kind of maneuvering yourself around that. And I think that that is a great point that you make. And in it, it is essential to like understand that, um, and that we have choice. And I love that you brought that up. We talk a lot about fear, fear of success, fear of failure, and understanding the root of that. I'm a big person of when you can understand where that was sourced from, it gives you the ability to be able to pull it up from the root and identify and like deal with it moving forward. If you just keep cutting the root off at the top, it's just going to keep growing back, growing back. But if you keep plucking that out, you have a better understanding of where it comes from and you're able to navigate it in a proactive way versus a reactive way and really be in the driver's seat versus the passenger seat of it. It's going to happen. And I I love, uh, um, I uh, read Grant Cardone's head, 10 X. And we actually had Steve Sims on our podcast too. And he says the same thing that fear is going to be there regardless of how successful, how many times you started a business, how many books you've written. Beyonce talks about it when she gets on stage, if she doesn't have the butterflies and she's lost the passion, like it is the ones who are more successful or the ones who don't allow fear. Like they take instant action. They don't mm-hmm. allow that fear to have time to like make it, make it into a bigger deal. Right. And so taking that action right away, like, and that's what the leap is, right? Like that's the concept of that leap. Like just trusting that it's going to, that something's going to happen. You'll figure it out. We're we're more capable than what we give ourselves credit for. We're absolutely more capable. Just, you have to like, just do it sometimes. Like you just have to like grab it, harness it and use it as fuel. And I can remember telling that to my kids when they were, you know, nervous about a tryout or something like that. Right. Like you just grab it and use it because you know, it's energy. Yes. You, you can let it, you know, get stuck and fester or you can use it for good. So this has been an awesome conversation. I want to make sure I promote, um, this masterclass, before I get to my final question, I could talk to you for a lifetime. So thank you. <laughs> um, you have an end of year master mastery masterclass coming up called Unleash Your Inner Overachiever. It's a free one day masterclass. We have the link here. Um, any, any special nuggets you want to reveal just to kind of give people a yeah. taste? Yes. Well, first I will say, because we are an international audience, um, uh, we have an international network. There are two time zones, so we can accommodate all time zones pretty much. But essentially, this is something that Amanda and I both, and we're content, I've been a content contributor for many years, written many trainings and um, that are still in use in 30 some odd countries 
with the C-suite that I used to be back in the day. But this is like little nuggets of really how we do get so much done, how we are so productive. And so um, end of the year, it's about goals, but not necessarily what you think. And so we're going to give you all of our little nuggets uh, to be able to take these assets and really rock your 2024. And it's things that you can implement that will continue to feed you, grow you and push you. Um, so it's 90 minutes long. And we, we actually added 30 minutes in addition for those that want to stay and have a live Q&A so we can answer all of the questions, but we will be giving you 90 minutes of all of our secrets. This is the perfect time of year for it. People are putting their 2024 plans together. So 90 minutes to kind of harness that plan. I think it's amazing. We have the link here and we'll also have it in the show notes. But finally, I want to ask one of my favorite questions, which I mean, I have a thousand favorite questions, but a little self-promotion. Recently, I launched an Amazon Amazon best-selling journal called The Daily Dose of Joy, which I love. She's right here. She's so cute. I love her. Immersed in joy. Um, But the reason I ask that is, you know, I think people always struggle and I get this question all the time. Like, how do I get started? How do I get started on a path to joy? So I ask every single guest, what are some of the things that keep you firmly rooted in joy? Some of your daily practices that maybe you can share with the audience that might give them a little inspiration and and some direction. Yeah, I would say, first of all, make space. Uh, We only have, if you look at us as energy units, we only have so much capacity, right? And, um, and make space can be a lot of different ways. Make space in your home, get rid of things that are cluttering, get rid of the things that no longer bring you happiness. When you look at it and you're like, Ugh, that piece that like, you put on those pants, you're like, Ugh. like pack, even if you have to pack them away in your garage, get them out of your sight. So the visual sense, but also make space internally. Um, I'm a big da- I data dump things out like knowledge that does not serve me. Some of it was survival mechanism stuff, but I hold so much information. I'm constantly, even with my clients. So I consciously get rid of things in order to be able to have more space for the things that bring me joy. Um, I would say after you've kind of like opened up the space, then it's a choice. Look at what, and you can do it one of two different ways. You can look at it from what is going to bring me joy or what do I need to get rid of in order that way I can make space for joy? And um, I think a lot of what we talked about today gives you both kind of aspects, but um, of how I've done that, like, you know, the forgiveness and the healing and all of that good stuff, getting to the root of what's causing the unhappiness. Um, and then that joy. And I think, you know, to sum it all up is we have a choice. We always have a choice in the face of anything. Even when I was given the cancer diagnosis, I had a choice of how I was going to look at it. Was I going to allow it to control who I was as a human, as a mom, as a wife at the time, as a, as a being, was I going to allow it to rob me of my joy or was I going to take control and make a choice to make sure that I stayed rooted in who I was, that I chose joy over the other things that weren't as positive. And so I think always remembering in the face of everything, 
even in conflict, um, that yes, you have to satisfy your safety needs, absolutely, but you still have a choice in the way that you perceive and the way that you process through things and choosing joy, even if it's seeing that beautiful flower that's bloomed out of the ashes. And that, I know that's more cause and effect, but if that can trigger something in, internally in you, then that's a choice that you're choosing to make, to actually see it, believe it, and feel it. What a beautiful way to end an awesome discussion. So I want to make sure people know how to find you. Your Instagram here is at lynn.a.howard, Facebook lynn.howard.9275. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I had an amazing time and I just thank you for all your wisdom and your contributions. Oh, Colleen, I can do this for days. I, I adore you. And thank you so much for everything that you do and the the joy that you bring and the the potential and and yeah, that you bring to your audience and everybody that you have a ripple effect around. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another episode of Joy Unleashed. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters.